On this episode of ACA Education, Justin speaks with Dr. J.D. Frizzell, president of the Acapella Educators Association. J.D. talks about the upcoming 2022 National Acapella Convention in Orlando, which is said to be the largest acapella choral convention in the world. Let's get ready. It's time for some ACA Education. It's the Anka Education Podcast. The Anka Education Podcast. How to Justin Glodish. Hey everybody, it's Justin Glodish and welcome to episode 38 of the Aka Education Podcast. And this week I have who I consider to be the pinnacle in terms of educators who were involved in acapella. His name is Dr. J.D. Frizzell. He is the Director of Fine Arts at the Briarcrest Christian School in Memphis, Tennessee. And today he's going to be talking to us about the National Acapella Convention, which was supposed to happen this year, but actually has been moved to next year in Orlando, Florida. So J.D., welcome to the Aka Education Podcast. Justin, uh, thank you so much for having me. It's a, a real honor to be here. Absolutely, man. And I have to say, I'm really looking forward to hearing all about the convention. It, it's it's shaping up to be the biggest acapella event in the world. Um, you know, you used to have the convention at your own school for the past five years uh, in Memphis, and it, it just it basically just outgrew the the venue that you had to go elsewhere. So, can you talk a little bit about the convention and uh, what it entails? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it has grown over five years and um, we've, we've provided an experience that was, you know, inspiring and transformational for groups. And that was always our goal from the beginning. And so we, we outgrew the space and um, you know, needed to, to look for someplace new. And when we were looking for someplace new, we had a few key goals in mind. Number one, we wanted to make sure that it was accessible. Um, so it needed to be a place that people could easily fly into, um, and, and has, it's pretty cheap. So, um, if you don't know already NAC 2022, it was going to be 2021, but we all know what happened there. And NAC 2022 is in Orlando, Florida. Um, and it's March 24th through 26th, uh, 2022. And it's going to be at the Wyndham resort international drive. So, um, the Wyndham resort is this gorgeous, uh, campus with, uh, you know, beautiful rooms, um, lakes, pools, hot tubs, gym. I mean, it's incredible. Um, all there in Orlando. So Orlando is easy to fly to. Um, it's the second lowest average cost for a round trip ticket in the United States. So accessibility was really important there. Uh, number two, we wanted to make it a place that had like good weather that people would want to go to. So, I mean, Orlando in March is pretty reliably sunny and warm. So that's really nice. And number three, Orlando is the number one destination for school bands, choirs, and orchestras each year to travel to, uh, because of course thing, you know, all the Disney parks, universal sea world, everything. So, mm -hmm. um, those are all just bonuses. We have so much at NAC 2022, um, that you wouldn't even need the parks, but we've kind of planned it so that you can, work those in as well. Cause we know, you know the nice. kids and probably the directors um, want to go, want to go to that as well. So 
those were kind of our considerations as we were building out, you know, what could this event that has already, you know, captured a lot of people's attention and, you know, we have a ton of groups that come every year, you know, what could really catapult it to the next level. And this new venue has allowed us to really rethink our entire outlook on what the event can be. Um, as you know, as a music educator, most mm -hmm. scholastic acapella groups now are a part of a middle school or high school uh, choral program. And right. even a lot of college groups that are student run, you know, they're affiliated with the university, but there are more and more that are, are being um, incorporated into the music programs because people are seeing the value in mm -hmm. these groups for, for outreach and recruiting and things like that. So what we decided to do was create an experience that would combine traditional choral uh, performance opportunities with contemporary acapella. So basically make it a one-stop shop for an entire choral program to go. Um, you, know, you don't have to go with your whole choir program, but let's say you do have a choir of, I don't know, a hundred people. And I mean, we go on a trip every year. Sometimes the trips are really small. Sometimes the trips are really big, but we always go on a trip with the choir. And then one voice, my acapella group goes places too. And I was like, well, why can't we do a thing where like everybody can go together? And then it's one really awesome, amazing trip. Um, right. And so what we have now are three performance opportunities. So number one at NAC, everybody performs in some way, some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. um, now we, we could get to a point where we sell out in terms of what we can offer for performances. Um, but the capacity is pretty high. So everybody performs and, and that's either, let's say you have a few choirs plus your acapella group or just a choir and your acapella group. Mm -hmm. Cool. You can do a traditional choral festival. Um, now the choral festival experience, I have to say, um, as a choir director, who's pretty picky and I've, I'm sure you've done a lot of festivals. We've all done a lot of festivals, right? I won't name any, yes. but there are a lot out there. And I wanted that experience to be better than a lot of the ones that I have brought my students to. And so absolutely, what does that mean? Well, that means that number one, um, you know, the venue um, inside is right in the middle of this brand new convention center. So mm -hmm. the kids are going to feel good about performing in there. The adjudication panel um, are some of the top uh, collegiate directors in the country. And so it's a, it's a diverse and, and vast array of incredible, um, not only directors in their own right, but we chose people that we knew personally were good with clinicking choirs. And so typically, you know, if you do have a clinic after a festival, which you don't always, but if you do, it's usually like a 10 or 15 minute thing and your choir gets up there, they pick one or two little spots to do something to, And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, but we know that in an acapella masterclass, those are some of the most powerful moments I've experienced as a music educator and Absolutely. they can be incredibly powerful. And so why not take that concept uh, into the choral world? And so the, they're expanded. They're 30 minutes long with the, with the choir and the, the judge, the adjudicator goes in there and with the goal of, inspiring and empowering the the ensemble to really um, elevate their music and to mm -hmm. connect you know in a deeper way with it so it's it's um, in that way a lot 
we hope a lot better of an experience. Uh, of course, you know, there will be like an award ceremony and things like that. Um, a little bit different than normal. It won't just be like first, second, third. Um, we're, we're trying to reward, you know, things like artistry and creativity. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think, I think people really dig that aspect of it. So that's, that's the choral festival. Okay. You with me so mm -hmm. far? I am. Right. Yeah. But let's say Justin, <laughs> that you are like, sometimes I have like kids from different choir classes throughout the day and I want to take them all on the same trip, but I don't want to like somehow figure out a way to make them all learn a different folder of music to go do mm -hmm. a choral festival. Cause they're like on different levels, maybe of ability and it will require a lot of other rehearsals. Um, that's awesome. So you can do the honor choir and the honor choir is just like any honor choir you would go to, right? You prepare some music, you know, learn some music in advance um, and you go sing with kids from all over the country. And um, the conductor for this is Dr. Jeffrey Murdoch, who is this year's mm. Grammy Music Educator of the Year. That's so, awesome. I mean, we were just like, man, like we know Jeff has been a good friend of mine for a long time um, and he's incredible. And mm -hmm. we know that that experience is going to be life changing for, for every student that goes there. So that's a, a, a sort of turnkey experience that you know you can take whatever kids you have and you can throw them in there and they're going to have an amazing time make great music um and then the final piece is of course the acapella performances the mm -hmm. contemporary acapella group so we have what we call acapops which are um off mic uh, acoustic performances that are set up in a couple of stages that we have in the venue uh, one is this really cool stage that's right by the main pool and it's surrounded mm -hmm. by these like lush gardens and like a lake behind it it's pretty awesome so there's that stage and then inside are other stages right in the middle of the front of the convention center where everybody is going all the time so uh you're gonna have people watching you which is you know mm -hmm. really cool so that's the, like the guaranteed performance slot is that you will get like a 15 minute or ish i don't want to promise that because i'm not sure if that's what we did or not but it's, it's around that right and then right all the groups then that, that buy tickets and apply they can apply to be a part of the showcases so we'll have a high school showcase of 10 groups and a college showcase of 10 groups and mm -hmm. we decided to do a showcase instead of a competition because we just wanted to make it about the music making and the relationship building amongst groups right and i have been to enough competitions where i know like hey you go to a competition like you you, you want to win and mm -hmm. there are are nerves and things that come into play and that kind of overshadows the whole experience right, um, right. i feel like i mean there's such such great options out there for competing like if you want to if you want to compete do ICSSA, do icca like that is mm -hmm. that's the pinnacle of competition for acapella like there's no reason for us to try to do that so um we we are offering this showcase experience and if you're familiar with what we do at mac um then you know that it is incredibly high standards of production so you know, top of the line mm -hmm. audio video photos and um, if you aren't you know, go look up Mac on YouTube or on Facebook and you will see the kinds of photos that groups get. You will see the kinds of, of videos that groups get, the kind of audio that's produced from it. Um, so we really have really high standards for that. And um, hopefully we can inspire people to make 
you know, amazing art. Um, so that's, yeah. that's the vision for performance. Now, of course, there are, it's like an ACDA, like choir directors. We understand what ACDA is, you know, it's a convention mm -hmm. or TMEA or whatever. Um, but normally those events, like kids might sing at it. Like if your group is selected to sing, but they don't go to the classes. I mean, the interest sessions are for directors. We've right. designed this to be an ACDA for students and teachers. So everyone is learning mm -hmm. together and the classes are geared towards those multiple levels of experience. And um, I think that's really cool too, because the kids are learning, the kids are growing. They are, are taking home new techniques and new skills that they've learned back to the program. And that goes back right. to what I said earlier about like, I am very much about empowering the individual student to have the skill set and the experience to be a better part of the music banking that we do. Um, so, so we have the classes as well. And then I feel like a game show host, wait, there's more. So, uh, on top of the performance opportunity, on top of all the classes, um, we have five headliner groups, five professional acapella mm -hmm. groups from around the world. And we're about to start announcing them. I wish I could tell you all of awesome. them. They're, they're, it, you know, there's something for everybody basically. Right. Um, and so every style that you could possibly think of is there. And um, so those are night concerts, right. That everybody can, can watch and, and just be inspired by and enjoy and be entertained by. So um, yeah, they're all of those things happening within three days. Yeah. I was just going to say that that's it's three days and just everything that you said, it's, it's really all encompassing of the choral program. Like, like you had mentioned, there's really something for everybody. And uh, it's exciting. The fact that you have the, the current Grammy educator of the year as your honor choir director and bringing in, you know, I've, I've read some of the, the people who are coming in as your clinicians, people like Kari Francis, John Smith, just some of the top of the line names in the acapella world who get to work with the students. And, you know, you bring up a good point about how, um, when students go to their, um, their all state festivals or their, you know, their all counties or the regions or districts or whatever, they're working with the director, but they don't really get access to the, the classes that we as educators do by providing them with this experience here at this convention, they're now, you know, being able to come back and teach the students who may not have been able to take part in that and really making them active educators themselves and not just, you know, learners. So I, I think that piece alone is valuable, you know, and the price of admission for the whole thing is like, is so reasonable. And, you know, I'm glad I just you think, think that, that. we, <laughs> yeah, I just, everything that you guys have been putting together and you got a great team of people working together. You know, I think you even said it like, this is like three years in the making to just the process behind it. And I just, I I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't, like, I can't wait for it. So um, kudos to you and your team for putting it all together. Well, thanks. Uh, we really believe in it. It is a vision. It's, it's the culmination of the real, the, the true vision I've had for the event, you know, since it started in Memphis mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I was talking to a guy you might know yesterday, Deke Sharon, and we were, mm -hmm. we were on the phone and uh, we were talking, we got on the subject of knack and, you know, he was like, he's like, yeah, so probably a lot of, probably a lot of money. Right. And I'm like, it's pretty much all the money we have. So it better go well. <laughs> like, I mean, we have, <laughs> we have put all our eggs into this basket, but it's because we believe you know, so strongly in what it, you know, it can provide. And groups are, are seeing that. I mean, 
I, it's a tough situation that we're in right now. Like a lot of groups can't even get permission to go down the street, you know, in a bus. Yes. So mine, you know, mine you know, is yeah, one of those. So, yes. just, so <laughs> you know, we have some groups who, who schools have said, well, you can start planning tentatively for next year. Um, but even with that being said, you know, we are filling up very fast. And mm-hmm. that I think is, is really telling that, that this is something, especially after a year and a half of basically not being able to do anything like this, everyone is really hungry for it. And so the fact right. that we have been investing in an event that is live and in person, and it's so much about the human experience, you know, I think that is going to, I think there's a huge demand for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I, what I think is also great is, you know, you brought up this, this need for this conference and putting it all together. You had this, this determination and drive to bring it together. And I feel that's really how the Acapella Educators Association came to be as well, you know, which you are the president of. And um, so the beginnings of the Acapella Educators Association to what it is now, you know, how, how did that go for you? What was the experience like building something like the Acapella Educators Association to you now building this massive convention? Well, it started with a phone conversation between myself, Brody McDonald, uh, Ben Spaulding, and um, Alex Fan. You might know those guys. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, they were just like, man, like we need more stuff for high school. Like that was right when high school acapella was really blooming. I mean, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, Justin, there were like, a dozen high school acapella groups, not, not really, but maybe, maybe a hundred like around the country and they started growing. And I mean, we got in on the early edge of that. And I remember there was like, you would hear if there was a, a good group somewhere, you'd be like, Hey, did you hear about that one good group that one high school now? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are thousands of high school acapella groups. So it's hard to even imagine that was not the case, but it was then. And so you know, we said, well, this thing is growing. Remember, this was in the days of, you know, the first Pitch Perfect movie. This was in the days Mm -hmm. of the sing-off, you know, getting started. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pop culture phenomenon surrounding acapella. And we thought, you know, more high school directors, and then of course, middle school, whatever, are going to want to do this. Let's see what we can do to help. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, at that time, not a lot of directors had the knowledge about things like, you know, vocal percussion and sound techniques and bass technique and arranging. I mean, it was just, there's all these little niche skills that were contemporary acapella specific. And so we were like, well, there's no secret to it. It's just like a few things, you know, keep these things in mind or whatever. And so we developed the AEA over a period of a month or two of, you know, phone meetings and, um, we did a crowd tilt, I think was the name of the, f- the fundraising platform we used. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. actually I remember, I recall. And, um, RIP, I guess crowd tilt, but, um, <laughs> maybe they were bought by somebody. Let's well, I'll, I'll tell myself that I feel better. So anyways, but yeah, they, it, we, <laughs> we funded, uh, we had a lot of huge supporters, uh, who came in and funded, you know, us getting started and we built a website and we started building events. And um, we realized pretty quickly that, you know, creating resources online was great, but the true magic and the transformation of individuals and groups comes from in-person experiences. And so Mm -hmm. we started building out events and we started partnering with 
schools that did you know acapella events to provide support and marketing and things like that uh, and so those are our, our partner festivals that we put on and um, mm-hmm. you know today i think we have eight eight seven or eight partner festivals or you know pre-covid um we're probably going to have a lot more post covid just because mm-hmm. so many it's so needed um and you know when we so we started doing that and i guess I mean, this was definitely pre-kids. Like you and I now both have multiple children. So I had a yeah. lot more time then. And I was doing my doctorate and I was actually on sabbatical at the University of Kentucky, still doing my job at Briarcrest and doing the DMA there at, at Kentucky. And mm-hmm. I decided, you know, this is the year that we start the, the national convention. We need to make the the national convention, convention for acapella. And you know me well enough to know that like, I don't do things small very well. So like, <laughs> I was like, no, it's gotta be, it's gotta be huge. Like everything's just gotta be huge. And of course we didn't have, we don't have any money. You know, we mm-hmm. not all that a lot. And so we had to kind of build it from scratch. And I was like, well, I, you know, my school has beautiful facilities. And so I was like, well, let me talk to my school and see what they, they'd be willing to, to, you know, host us. And I got to say, they've been incredible. They have, they have, without any charge to the organization, hosted that event um, for you know, five years. But we were mm-hmm. busting at the seams. We were selling out. And so we were like, okay, it's time to grow. So that's that's kind of how it got started. And over the years, we started building more resources online. Um, we took over acapella.how. Deke Sharon built mm-hmm. that, and we took that over. And if you haven't seen that, that's a, an amazing resource um, of videos, like how-to videos for every single little aspect of acapella. Uh, we built out a, a coaching platform where you can you know, yeah. hire a, a professional coach, like some of the best people in the world to come with your groups. I believe you might be involved in that. So we've got that up. Um, we also have some like online courses, kind of like lynda.com. If you've ever, if anybody's familiar with those um, where you can like, take modules and, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, learn things, um, sort of at your own pace. Um, uh, so we've got those video courses as well. Um, and you know, who knows what's going to happen next? I mean, the, the great asset of the AEA is also, I think the great limiter of the AEA and that most of uh, our people are volunteers and they're also teachers. So mm-hmm. we often find ourselves just in bandwidth problems where we, don't have any time to, to do more. Um, so right. I'm hoping if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, I would love to help. I, that would be an awesome vision to, to come alongside. Please uh, send me a note. I would be happy to plug you in. Um, we need all the help we can get. Awesome. Now I want to talk about your own group, uh, One Voice, who is phenomenal. You you made the mention earlier how you know ten years ago there was there wasn't as many high school groups as there is now, and probably not even any middle school groups. Like the amount of middle groups middle school groups that are forming now, even elementary school groups are starting to form. And your group is like internationally known. There's so many recording artists, and um, I actually had uh, Ryan Stumkeys, who you know is the Wisconsin representative uh, for the AEA, and he talked about specifically your five-step process to um, teaching and engaging your students in into learning music. And um, if you, 
Could you just kind of like rehash it just a little bit and just explain how One Voice became this powerhouse um, vocal group that, you know, is again, only high school kids, but just rival some, some of the more popular artists that are out there. Uh, well, thank you for the kind words. Um, they're great kids and they work really hard. Uh, Ryan, I, I listened to his episode. I try to listen to as many of your episodes as you can. Um, you know, as a, as a dad, you don't get to have a lot of your yeah. own time in the car um, to listen to what you want. But I, I did listen to that one. And Ryan did a great job of explaining sort of how the five steps work. So if you're really interested in getting an in-depth view of that, Ryan goes through it in, in really great detail uh, in that episode. Um, and I'm sure he can tell you which episode that is or put that in the show notes. Yep, that's episode 17. There you yeah, go. Episode, episode 17. 17. So go check that out. So the five-step technique, I wasn't like sitting around one day and going, I should come up with a five-step technique. I just, <laughs> we have five days of the week and we had to learn a lot of music. And I, I just kind of started doing one step at a time each day. And I was like, wow, we can basically learn a piece a week this way. And over time it developed into what it is now. And so um, mm -hmm. in, in essence, it's like you learn, the kids learn their notes and rhythms on their own using tracks. Um, and then you do sectionals based on layers where you are um, doing dynamics and phrasing and articulations, um, you know, those types of micro detail. And then step three is the first time you combine together and do group rehearsal. Um, the power of all that is that the first time you sing at a, at a, at a group rehearsal is that it's good. And that provides an incredible amount of momentum. Um, it's so tempting to want to just jump in and go to step three and everybody does it. Even I do it sometimes. And I'm like, I slap my hand, like, don't do it, JD, come on. Um, <laughs> but when you allow each step to be fully fleshed out and successful, uh, then that momentum snowballs. And so, um, step three is the, you know, what we would consider a regular rehearsal. Um, and then step four are any of the non-musical aspects. So if you do choreo, that staging, whatever, uh, emotional connection, talking about the lyrics, the meaning for the group, those kinds of things. And then step five is some kind of informal performance where you perform for maybe another class or you sing in the hallway or in the, the lobby of the school, uh, that kind of thing. So you get to perform, mm -hmm. but with like an audience that's going to love whatever you do, even if it's not musically perfect. Um, and that tends to create very successful performances, those pieces. Now I will say full caveat, I, I need to do like an updated blog or article or something because the process has definitely evolved for me over time. And mm -hmm. I, I think COVID changed how I have to do it. So, um, you know, it's right. a little bit different, but even then, um, we do things different differently now. Um, and one of the main differences is that like the choreo and, uh, emotional uh, segments, all the non-musical non stuff we do um, at a different time. So we, we separate that away from the regular rehearsal process. And that's usually just because we need more time for things like that. And it won't fit in a regular rehearsal, you know, to like learn the mm -hmm. full staging or something. Um, but I would encourage groups to look into that. And, the, and besides ensuring success at each stage, you know, the, the, the idea of using tracks. I mean, when I first started talking about this, people were like, that's cheating. Like you're, you're, they're using tracks. I'm like, well, is it cheating when 
the alternative is them standing around the piano while you play the, their part one at a time and then sing along with it. Isn't that the exactly. same thing? And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm like, no, there's no, but because the, <laughs> the alternative is that they're, you're doing that. And what's everybody else doing while you're playing and singing the one part they're standing around they're doing around. nothing. Right. I right. did this for years. I mean, um, and then finally one day I was like, it was actually Rob Dietz really that enabled me to do this. Cause he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm starting to do like all my arrangements sung. Like I sing them and he sings all his stuff in a melody. And if you, have you interviewed Rob yet? Not yet. Oh, no, man. but uh, f- I have a fun story about Rob is that when I w I was living in Ithaca as a, as a group member of a group called the sons of pitches Oh yeah, and, uh, we were actually actually looking to bring Rob on. He was actually still in high school with his group. Um, and then, you know, he went to Ithaca, was in Ithaca Pella. But um, yeah, Rob is just one of the most creative minds that I've ever met. And it, it still kills me to this day that we didn't uh, consider taking him on in uh, to the group I was in because he's he's just he's otherworldly. Yeah. So he really is. I mean, uh, we all kind of saw it even at the beginning. Like I had one of his books that he did with Deke when Deke, when he was like 16 or something. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, some acapella nerd history, go check out what Rob did in high school and you'll be like, Hmm, maybe I should raise my bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah. but Rob, Rob is now, I think one, not only one of the best arrangers out there, but Rob is, uh, he's one of the best you know, music educators out there in the acapella space. Mm-hmm. And he, he, anyways, he started, he, he arranges all of his stuff into melody and he sings them out. And so I think number one, that creates arrangements that are incredibly well written because he can't write a phrase that you can't sing, you know, like right. where you have to add a rest in that's not there. Like everything is, is sung and written out that way. Um, but B, he created these sung practice tracks. And suddenly I was like, wait a minute. I don't have to teach them. I'm not going to teach them parts anymore. And at first it was not pretty. I'm not going to lie to you. It was not pretty, but my kids, I mean, I I believe in music literacy and we've sight read every single day. And, and um, so they, they had the basic skills to be able to do this and read the music and then sing along. And suddenly the next thing, you know, uh, a couple, a year or two later, I, it was just autopilot and they would, I had this, I had a couple of really just incredible groups in a row and they kept raising what their bar was, what they expected of each other. And like, we would have the first day I'd introduce a new piece. They'd all go spread out. They put their earbuds in, they'd be looking at their sheet music. They'd be singing. It would sound like something straight out of Charles Ives. And then the next day we come in and we start working on it. And man, if somebody didn't know their notes in a section or something, it was like embarrassing. And I didn't even have to say anything. Like you know, the kids would be like, you don't know mm. your part. Uh Oh, like you shouldn't do that again. And that was all it took. Uh, and that, right. that has just been the expectation, you know, ever since. And so um, I would encourage all directors to really consider the way that you teach notes and rhythms, because for so many groups that takes up a considerable portion of their overall rehearsal plan for the whole mm-hmm. scope and sequence of leading up to a concert. And right. for me, it's one day, one day for, for, for a song. Mm-hmm. And a lot of groups use this now. A lot of groups have like believed me enough, like Ryan, like he was like, okay, I'm going to go back and do this. And then he crushed it. Like he went back to his school and embraced it fully, you know, and it works. And one of the things that, that people have also said is, well, 
you know, what if you can't learn the notes and rhythms in one day? Well, either a, okay, maybe you need two days, maybe you need more time, but not a ton more time or B the music is too hard for your group. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not, we're not doing our contemporary acapella groups to substitute for Bach or Beethoven or Handel or Whitaker or something like, you know, those pieces require deep dives for a month or two, but this is like, this is pop acapella. So you, you know, you should be able to learn the notes fairly quickly because you want to be able to sing a lot of songs and people want to be able to hear more than just two songs at your concert. Um, which is of course a lot of groups that's like, all they can sing because it takes a month to sing, to learn one tune. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, that's the five-step method in a nutshell and kind of how we do it. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, one voice's um, success, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I have to be honest to tell you that like all the really cool experiences that they have had, whether it was like America's Got Talent or seeing at the Emmys or like mm-hmm. with the Swingles in London, um, it was never like, let's go. The goal was let's go sing with the swingles this year. Like it was always just, let's make the most compelling music we could possibly make goal one right. every single day. And out of that goal, all of the other opportunities happened. And sometimes that's hard because as directors, we want to let other things sort of determine our, our decisions. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, Oh, well, I, this is the most common one I see in acapella and I'm, I look, I'm not adding anybody here. Okay. I'm calling <laughs> everyone, including myself out. We've all done this, but the old acapella, uh, solo turned into duo duet or trio or quartet, you know, where you have like rotating soloists coming in and out. Um, mm-hmm. that's the most common example I can find of where groups, put something else over the desire to make the music good. A piece of pop music is like three minutes long. That is not long, right? right? An audience is just now settling into the tune, right? You sing a verse and then like, oh, wait, some other person singing the chorus, but up an octave, we interesting, okay. Oh, wait, no, we're back <laughs> to somebody else. But they don't sing it as well as the first person. I bet the director right. was just being nice. I mean audiences see through this stuff. And of course, parents don't care, but you know, as music educators, we, I think we do have a responsibility to set the students up for success. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, the kid that's not, that's half as good as the other kid singing the solo, but you give them three, three measures just so they feel good about themselves. They know that they know that what mm-hmm. I, what would I rather do? I would rather you try to find opportunities even if it's short songs for those singers to have a solo that really fits their voice and their style. If, if you feel like, you know, they're deserving of having a solo opportunity. Um, right. I mean, I've always had some pretty talented kids in one voice, and this is the first year of one voice history where, you know, besides the bass and VP, which have to be the bass and VP of every song or else we don't have we don't have a rhythm section. Um, all 10, all the other 10 members of the group have a solo, have their own song that they solo on. And that was incredibly challenging. And you can't do that with every group. I've already told my group next year, like that's not going to be possible because they're all, it's basically a brand new group. But, Mm -hmm. um, I, I always, I just really want directors. If you make music, 
your primary driver for your decision-making, it gives you a moral high ground because you're consistent. You're, you, you know, there's, there's no, there are no holes that you can drill in your, you know, sort of musical morals, right? Like, oh, well, you chose that person because you like them. Well, no, if somebody's the best person to sing the solo, usually the kids are like in the back of their mind, if they won't say it out loud, they'll go, well, Susie's, you know, that was pretty amazing, right? Yeah. Um, yep. So, you know, that is, I think that is one of the overriding principles that has led us to have all the really cool opportunities that we've had. And the thing I said, and we'll go back to it a few more times probably, but, you know, uh, empowering them with the skill set mm-hmm. to be able to operate at that level is really important. And that goes back to just our job as, as choral music educators as well. Yeah. Now you said you have 10 students and each one ha- basically has a solo. So um, I know that you, you've mentioned Rob and I know that you do a lot of arranging and composing yourself. Um, are, are those the only people that you use yourself and Rob, or do you just pull from everywhere else? Do the students do their own arranging? Where do your arrangements come from? Sure. So Rob is like the voice of one voice. I mean, uh, he, he has arranged probably 40 or 50 songs for us over the past six, seven, eight years. And mm-hmm. just like, you know, um, if you have like a Ben Bram arranging for pentatonics, right? Like he's part of why they sound the way that they sound, you know, right. or, or Shams arranging for the Nor'easters, like he created their sound. That's why they sound that way, you know? So part of that, I'm always going to use Rob as long as he's willing to write for us um, for Mm -hmm. a lot of our music, just because we sound like him. He sounds like us. Does that make sense? Um, Makes perfect sense. Yeah. But we will occasionally, like if we feel for artistic reasons, there are, there's a song or two on the album that we feel another voice would do better then then we'll use it. I and mean, we've used John Smith in the past, um, Matt Goldstein, Johnny Del Toro, um, Kat Vador, uh, gosh, who else we use? Nick Gerard, uh, Chris mm. Harrison, Christopher Harrison, um, Christopher Diaz. Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of really incredible arrangers out there. We use Ben Bram. Use, um, so yeah, I mean, if there's something that makes a lot of sense for somebody else to do, then you know, we'll do it. A good example of that. Um, I had uh, Matt Goldstein arranged hallelujah for us. Cause I had a singer who mm-hmm. really like, he just really wanted to sing hallelujah. And we know everybody has sung hallelujah. Right. So yeah. I was like, who could do hallelujah, but like in a way that would make it unique and palatable to everyone's ears one more time. And I went to Matt mm-hmm. Goldstein who creates these like orchestral scores from, um, you know, songs from pop songs. And, mm-hmm. um, and he did that and, you know, he does an amazing job at it. So, so yeah, that's, that's the, that's pretty much how we do arranging. I, every once in a while, if there's a song that I'm really drawn to as we're picking songs for the album, uh, I will just tell Rob like, Hey, this one's mine. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I do it, but I mean, I have, I have no time. So, uh, yeah. it's, it's hard for me to take on much more than like a song a year if that. Right. Now, how about, um, let's talk about, you have a couple of books published as well, you know, um, just 
because you do everything, you know, with the time that you do have, you do it all, you know? So, um, the acapella warmups book, and then the newest book that actually just came out. Um, it was actually right around the time I was interviewing, uh, Mark Silverberg was, uh, the teaching music through performance in contemporary acapella. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, uh, the acapella warmups book, especially for us educators out there that, um, may not even consider utilizing, uh, acapella warmups in our own, you know, daily, uh, schedule or daily routine. I think the acapella warmups book is perfect for choirs that you may want to introduce the idea of acapella to, you know, if you have a choral mm-hmm. program and, and people say like, well, I don't even know, like if the kids would like it or how we would start doing it. I don't, I can't create an ensemble, but I have my choirs I'm like, well, yeah, just buy this book and do these warmups. The warmups are basically mini compositions. Uh, most of them mm-hmm. Deke wrote and I like edited and wrote like prefaces to and stuff. Um, and they're designed for specific purposes. It's like some of them are designed around certain intervals or like certain techniques, like maybe the staccato or, um, you know, marcato, legato, whatever. They're designed to Mm -hmm. teach certain musical ideas or aspects. And it's fun. They all sound like pop music, you know, they're little, little pop mini compositions. So, um, and they're not hard. You can teach them really right. quickly, which needs to be for for a warm up, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. I think it provides a lot of uh, sort of like an etude book. It's probably the more apt title because it's not like we're not like physically warming your students up. Although I put a lot of my warm ups uh, that I use with my groups in there. So mm-hmm. um, and I'm a warm up like nerd. Um, I'm very picky about warmups. I'm very picky about the warmup process, the warmup, you know, the way that warmups are arranged, uh, together, um, things like that. So if you're, if you're curious, you can look, look at them there. Um, but I, I do, uh, write a good bit about, you know, actually physically warming up the voice. And then most of the book is then taking it and doing these, these pop music etudes. So, um, check that out. If you're interested in sort of dipping your choir's foot in acapella a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the other book, the, uh, the, where is it? The uh, teaching music through performance and contemporary acapella. That's basically um, breakdowns of specific songs, not just contemporary acapella, but there's some barbershop stuff in there as well um, for as an educational resource, uh, giving like almost an educational plan towards how to approach those songs. Um, how did that idea come about? Oh, uh, this is all Mark. Um, Mark was talking to the folks at GIA and he really had the idea and um, I, he brought it to me and Deke and he was like, all right, do this. Um, But only, you know, only if you guys want to, we'll do it with me and and help. And we were like, that sounds pretty great. Um, And so we, Mm -hmm. we dove in, we had a ton of people contribute to the book. If you're familiar Mm -hmm. at all with the GIA series, it's been around for a really long time. Um, They have them for all different genres of choir. They have them for band. Um, And they're, yeah, they're like analyses of these pieces, but they're teaching analyses. So it's like three or four pages. And it's basically, here's everything you need to know as a teacher 
to be fully prepared to teach this piece as well as possible. It's got background mm-hmm. on the composer and the piece and maybe the source material, the poetry or text, if it's in there, um, you know, uh, educational aspects of it that you can use to teach your, your group. Um, so these things have been around forever, but then, you know, contemporary acapella, we're like, well, let's, let's do that. So we tried to hit in this first volume We're we're hoping that you know, maybe there's another volume. Uh, mm-hmm. We hit like, all the big categories and we tried to get all the like mainstay pieces that really define certain genres so there's there's vocal jazz in there and of course there's like gene perling arrangement you know in Mm -hmm. in vocal jazz um there's doo-wop there's barbershop um oh my gosh you know so many different styles of pop you know vocal music in there and I think it's also a helpful resource for choir directors who, again, are thinking about like, well, what, what quality arrangements are out there that I can use to ensure success for my choir to do right. some kind of contemporary acapella piece. You can dig in there. There's a, um, a difficulty uh, rating system that we we came up mm-hmm. with. And so it'll allow you to kind of gauge what, you know, how hard the piece might be for your choir um, and I just have to say like a public thank you, uh, not only to Mark, Mark and Deke, but I mean, the dozens of contributors to that, that book, um, who all took the time to help write these, you know, these analyses, um, we mm-hmm. couldn't have done it without them. Awesome. Now, uh, one last question before we go, I, cause I know that, you know, the school year is almost over and really, you know, going full steam ahead with NAC. Um, what's next for you, man, you know, other than, you know, preparing for the convention, what's next for you? Uh, one voice, everything going on. Um, how you plan on approaching the rest of the school year uh, with everything going on? I'm spending the end of the year trying to provide as many opportunities to perform as I can, because performances are mm-hmm. starting, you know, venues are starting to open up. People are starting to come to concerts, um, you know, in some form or fashion. And so, I, you know, I want to give them as much as I can that they have, you may have lost uh, over the past you know year and a half. And uh, moving forward after that, um, I want to kind of dive in and provide as many human experiences as possible. I mean, we had a 25 show tour built for the spring of 2020. And mm. we did one of them <laughs> and then COVID hit. So, um, you know, I, there's a, my heart is in, um, that in-person experience. And as an educator, I am more and more am committed to the idea of ensemble music making being such a powerful tool for changing the world. Uh, it's mm. twofold. Number one, it changes the individuals who are a part of the process. It builds their confidence, it builds their skills, builds their teamwork. Um, you know, it, it gives them um, a place to belong and self-worth and a place to express themselves and be creative and artistic. But then beyond that, it, the active ensemble music making then teaches people to work together towards something really beautiful and positive. And mm-hmm. I think especially young people, I mean, everything is so high, high stakes testing, right? Everything is, they're like doing uh, career tests in sixth grade, right? Right. Um, this is this is this way of teaching kids to work together because you know those those people that can work with others well 
are the ones that are going to make a difference in society and make positive contributions. So most kids are not going to be choir teachers or professional singers or whatever that are on ensembles. They're going to do something else. They're going to be doctors, lawyers, bankers, architects, whatever. And I am firmly in the belief that the act of ensemble music making provides a transformative experience that makes the world a better place. And on top of all of that, you're making something beautiful. The art itself, you know, the product. I mean, I think the most important thing is the process. If you can't tell, like the process is the yeah. best part. Rehearsals, the best, oh, yeah. best rehearsals are the best part of being a music teacher and a student. But then when you get to take that art and put it in front of other people and change their lives, that is the, I mean, that's the magic. And mm -hmm. I don't know what that means coming out of COVID. I don't know what that means when so many programs are down. I mean, so many colleagues have talked to me about how, you know, they, they're losing a lot of their kids because all they did was like zoom this year or like choir wasn't the same. We were in masks and we were yep. outside or whatever. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I know that, that what I just told you, like that is my why that is the reason that I am doing what I'm doing. And so however that, whatever that looks like uh, in the next few school year, you know, that's, that's where you'll see me. Awesome. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Dr. J.D. Frizzell, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. For those of you that are listening, um, everything, pretty much everything that we talked about, there will be episode uh, description links to all of J.D.'s uh, information to NAC, to the Acapella Educators Association, so on and so forth. Uh, so make sure you check out the episode descriptions. But Dr. J.D. Frizzell, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Thanks for having me, Justin. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Thanks again to Dr. J.D. Frizzell for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Be sure to check out the National Acapella Convention in March of 2022. Be sure to check out the links in the episode description for resources from this week's episode. Follow the podcast on social media at Aka Ed Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow me, Justin Glodish, at OfficialJGlow on TikTok and Twitter. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're found on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. New episodes are released every Wednesday. You can also now tune into the podcast on Akaville Radio, akaville.org. If interested in supporting this podcast with a monthly donation, go over to anchor.fm slash podcast to do so. And if you ever have any questions about the podcast, suggestions on future guests, please email me at akaedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a voice message on the Anchor website. From the Aka Education Podcast, I'm Justin Glodish. We'll talk soon.